we are standing in the car park area of the St. Clair's Convent in Harold's Cross with my plethora of keys because it's like a fortress here. You need so many keys just to get around. I know you've heard so much about housing and the rent crisis in Ireland, but I want to tell you about my roller coaster year in the housing market. It's May 2014 and I'm living in an amazing building in Dublin. This is the section that I share with uh, three other people. It's a little bit dark, so... This is an old convent in Harold's Cross, which is about a mile from Dublin city centre. Although it's a convent, I'm not a nun. I'm a starving freelance journalist, where freelance is often another word for unemployed. The vaulted ceilings. This building is full of interesting spaces. As long as you've got an imagination, it works out. The whole building is full of furniture, things that are really trendy again, although obviously the, the St. Clair's sisters were using them hundreds of years ago. <laughs> Although the building is an incredible space, I'm not living here just because I'm intrigued by it. I do like it, but the main reason I'm living here is because it's cheap. I'm what's called a guardian, and I've been placed here by a property management company called Camelot, which I heard about through a friend. Camelot have clients like religious orders and receivership companies, and they even have a couple of castles on their books. Anyone who needs their property protected. They get people like me to mind empty properties, in return for which I pay low rent. It's my way of getting around Dublin's high rents. Just a couple of facts about rent for those of you outside of Dublin. A new report by daft.ie shows that rental prices are now almost back to where they were at the height of the boom, the report. Uh, in Dublin, uh, the biggest issue is to make sure that there's enough affordable private rent That's sector fair. And that Dublin saw the biggest annual increase in rental. Trying to highlight the impending shortage of supply. And we're seeing the evidence of that now at the moment in terms of the rising numbers of people experiencing homelessness. I'm in my 30s and I've rented on and off in Dublin for 15 years now. I've lived in all sorts of places, but because I don't have a full-time job, I can't get a mortgage, so I have to rent. But if you live in Dublin, even miles from the city centre, you're going to be paying big money to rent. For example, a bedsit-type flat beside the convent will cost you €800 Euros a month. Whereas for me, it's only €280 Euros a month. And that even includes bills. So we'll go down this corridor. This is a shower that's shared between the four of us. These are all empty rooms, and then this is my space. And not only that, I don't just have a bedroom. I am lucky because I have the two adjoining rooms, and it is, uh, in theory, a space for a couple. I'm paying more money than, than somebody who just takes one room, but it's, it's worth it. Like it's, like, it's like having your own little apartment. So when I moved in on the floor, there were these nasty brown carpet tiles which I took up and that was the biggest job of all actually in general you would ask permission before you do something like that but they're quite flexible about these things as long as they are assured that you're going to be making an improvement to the space which you inevitably are <laughs> and then the walls were like a really horrendous pinky kind of color but also there was like layers of smoke on them it must have been from when the fireplace was used so I cleaned them and then painted the walls white and uh, that's made a huge difference and then there was there were really horrendous curtains here as well I mean just that they were so old and dusty and dirty and I took them down and I got cheapy ones from Ikea and they're absolutely fine the only furniture that uh, I've 
paid money for is this little table from Ikea and my bed, which is also from Ikea. And everything else uh, was here. We found various bits around the convent, like this uh, beautiful sort of old black chest of drawers that somebody has painted black and it's become scratched. So it's kind of a very specific look. And I like it, you know, it kind of goes with the, the aesthetic of the room. As well as the building, I also have a big garden, a really big garden. So you can see it's like having your own park, public park, and we're so close to the city centre and yet we have all this beautiful space and we're allowed to use it, you know. The convent comes with all the grounds. These are all apple trees, so in the autumn we actually had field day with, with picking apples we were allowed to and nobody else seems to use them so we picked them and stewed them and made jams and did whatever. Of course I'm not the only one on Camelot's books. There are people minding interesting buildings all over the country. I've come to see a couple of friends. Okay, Neve and Joe live in another old religious building a huge abbey in Rathfarnham at the foothills of the Dublin mountains. So the church is a, a huge space. What do people normally say when they first come in here and see this? It's quite dramatic. Wow. They say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really fantastic. This is amazing. Yeah. Massive altar there. You have the size of the altar there. Sure. Beautiful stained glass windows there. Um, it's amazing just the colour. It's one thing I find... Uh, so incredible that the colour is so vivid still. And uh, do you find it spooky at all? <coughs> um. No, not at all, actually. It's, it's quite funny. When I moved in first, I thought it would be a bit haunted, per se. But it, it isn't, as far as I know, um, it isn't. It's very, there's a lovely calm vibe in the place and nothing goes bump in the night, as, as far as... I know. I'd be, <laughs> I'm a wimp, so yeah, I'd be scared. I, only go, I don't go down on my own. <laughs> This type of living attracts people who are often a bit left of centre, creative people who like unusual spaces, as well as people doing it out of financial necessity. Neve is with the animal charity, the DSPCA, and Joe works for DIT, the Dublin Institute of Technology. They share the Abbey with seven other people. One of those is Keshet. She's originally from Israel, and she's lived in all sorts of alternative places. Because Camelot is not a standard accommodation, you can't decide who is going to be your housemate. In this house, there were nine people living together, and yeah, it's amazing how actually we all get on really well together. The whole thing just run, runs really smoothly. It's like one big happy family, and it really is. You know? Yeah, I second that definitely. Yeah. As a guardian, you have to make sure that no harm comes to the building. Houses just fall apart when there isn't somebody doing the small things to put it together. The Abbey, I think, was only unoccupied for. 10 or 15 years and it was in not in a great condition you know as guardians you have to keep an eye out uh, watch for things like leak damps anything that sort of might be falling down advise camelot that's what you're 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 there eyes and ears like i mean for example there was a leak which was above my room so i would gather all the water in the bucket but if nobody got it that water it, it would have created a massive hole in the floor, and that would have just gone to the next floor and to the next floor. Then if there's sort of any people trying to access the building illegally, you have to tip them off and, and, and the guards and things like that. So really it's just a, like it's a caretaker role, really. Neve, Joe and Keshet were brought in because the building was beginning to be looted. You notice there, Rachel, there's an empty frame up against the wall. 
it's empty because before we moved in, the picture is actually stolen. And if you turn around, there's a massive picture on the wall that wasn't stolen because I imagine just the sheer size of it would have been too uh, hard to take it off the wall. But this was the kind of thing that was beginning to happen the decade that it was um, just sitting around empty and some graffiti you can see around as well, written on the walls. So this is why they employed Camelot in the first place? Pretty much, yeah, and, and we got a, a, a quite a sweet deal out of it, getting to live in such an amazing space. For the last, I've been here for the last four years now. Of course, there is a list of cons. Camelot has rules. No fires, no candles, no pets, no overnight guests, and no children. The reason why I'm actually uh, using Camelot is because it's, it's financial for me because what I've done is I'm, I'm separated. Um, three years now, I left my ex-wife in the house with my two children, so I have a 20-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. So rather than upset them, you know, a big move there, and um, it's, uh, it, it was just easier to give them um, some security. It's the home they grew up in. Didn't want to take them out of that. So, But I don't have enough to sort of contribute um, for the mortgage. I'm dependent on Camelot, really, I suppose, at this time. Um, if I wasn't living here... Uh, I'd probably be back with my mother or something like that and I don't think she wants me back. <laughs> and I have a daughter um, but you know, and, I, and I visit her every week. We're texting every day and talking on the phone all the time. So um, from that point of view, it's, it's a bit of a downer because um, I, I, she can't stay over because she's under 18. If she was over 18, you could look for permission for her to stay overnight with Camelot. They're very good like that. Um, so at the moment, yeah, it's purely financial. It does suit my lifestyle to a certain extent but in terms of, I suppose, you know, keeping in touch like having my daughter under the same roof as me for a couple of nights during the week or maybe if she went on when she was on summer holidays it'd be great to have her come over here and stay for for a week or two weeks like it'd be like almost going on holidays for her so it can be a bit weird you're in this dramatic building but the rules mean you can't use it properly this is the kitchen we used when i moved in in september it's uh really really industrial all these huge uh gas ovens and the, the industrial dishwasher and stuff. Um, we've never been a, allowed to use these things. They have the gas turned off for insurance uh, purposes. But uh, with the really bad weather at the beginning of this year, it flooded. They don't seem to care to do repairs here because the building isn't in great shape and uh, it's for sale and uh, they're not going to do much with it. So um, instead, we moved into this other big room down here and uh, my flatmate kind of made a makeshift kitchen for us. So you can't really compare this to a room in a shared house. It's amazing what you can adapt to once you decide in your head that this is the way you're going to live. I mean, not everybody would would find this fine, but we're actually really happy with it. (laughs) I'm really proud of this. When I listen back to the recordings I made in the convent a year ago, the one thing that really strikes me is how happy I sound. But then, in August... Two days ago I got home from work and uh, I pulled into our expansive courtyard on my bike and there were two people standing there and I asked them if I could help them because we're supposed to be keeping an eye on the comings and goings around the place and they politely informed me that they were the new owners uh, of our building, the convent in Harold's Cross. The shocking thing is that this was the first I'd heard of any kind of sale of the building. Um, I hadn't heard anything from Camelot. When I contacted them, Camelot said that it was true. The building had been sold. I would have to move out. I knew it was bound to happen. You can't live in an empty convent for the rest of your life. Even though it was inevitable, I'd been there for almost a year and had really put the prospect of moving out of my mind. 
But Camelot can be good about finding new places for guardians. Time to go to property manager Owen to see what he had for me. The demand has increased and dramatically, you know, like there's pages and pages of applications up there. We're, we're at 500 plus applications. So the demand absolutely has gone up. Bad news. Owen says the whole market has changed and it doesn't look good for me. We would rather keep you than lose you. But over the last while, we lost 44 rooms in Dublin and we had none to replace them with. So we had to lose pretty much 40 good people. So rehousing, we, 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 we try our best, but it's property dependent. It's, it's all about the timing. This is just luck, in a way. It, it really is. I'm not the only one with bad luck. Joe, Neve, and Keshet got some news too. Yeah, the place has been sold. We are in the process of moving, so um, yeah, the Department of Education has bought it and it's going to become an Irish-speaking school um, enrolling already and they're opening, as far as I know, in September. So we're all actually moving out this week. So if I can't live in a big empty building that's being minded by Camelot, what about a big empty building that's not being minded by Camelot? There are squatters living in Dublin, which is something I, I hadn't actually realised before. I found out that they do a regular information night for people who are interested in squatting. So I went along to one of these nights. Just as I arrived into the meeting, they were giving advice on, how, well, tips on how to break into buildings. And they weren't holding back at all, you know. They were going through the different types of locks, for example, and how to, how to break them and the kind of tools that you need in order to get in. A couple of days later, I'm standing outside a row of boarded-up houses in Grange Gorman. Hi Shane, it's Rachel. Um, I'm just outside your place. I'm just trying to figure out how to get in. I'll send you a message now. Thanks, bye. Shane is squatting here. He was one of the people from the meeting who's an expert at getting into empty buildings. Oh, hi. How's it going? Fine. I wasn't sure if you were going to come out of this door or... Um. Yeah, I live in that house. Okay, okay. Is it um, that little row of houses there? You guys live in yeah. The squat is a complex of terraced houses, old warehouses and courtyard space. So seven people, well, kind of eight at the moment, people living here in five bedrooms. Yeah, it's basically just a kitchen and five bedrooms. There's no indoor plumbing. All the toilets and stuff are outside. This here is the control room. It's right beside those apartments. And the nice thing about those apartments is the abundance of wireless networks, some of which are not very well secured. That's one of the few places in the complex that we get internet. That wooden structure there is a watchtower. Someone can stand on the top of it and kind of like talk to people outside and if it's the cops or something, then they can obviously see that and not let them in. Do you work at the moment? No. Or do, do a full-time squatter. Okay. <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah, a full-time squatter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it 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 sounds a bit facetious, and it, and it is because like, I, but you do find yourself doing squatting stuff all the time. It, it does somehow end up being a full-time job. There's a lot of kind of newer people who are who are squatting now in new places. Um, one of the things I feel like I should do is like go go to all the new places and and like make sure they all know what's worked for us at least in terms of dealing with the law and stuff. You know, a, a lot of people who are new are not that like confident or assertive when dealing with the police and it's, it's very important if nothing else that you're assertive uh, when, when dealing with the police. Shane leads me through to a courtyard area filled with boxes of well-maintained plants. Um, that was supposed to be a greenhouse in there but 
<sighs> people kept keep spray painting it and it doesn't really work as a greenhouse when all the glass is covered in spray paint, which is unfortunate. Like, people like the people you live with here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> You don't seem super offended that that's not being used as a greenhouse after all. No, I mean, it wasn't my greenhouse. The, 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 okay. the person who built it was, was very pissed off. Oh, because especially because okay. they'd made a sign that said no spray paint. You oh. know, like, and okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Like, yeah, there's no, like, unified, like, kind of idea of what people want out of the space. And is that ever, like, a problem? A yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, How do you resolve things like that? Not really. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I, I, the, I think that the, the biggest problems here are definitely, like, political, like, amongst ourselves. Shane is 23 years old and from Dublin. I had been going to college, but I'd wanted to drop out for, I mean, basically as long as I'd been in college, but I felt I couldn't because my parents were giving me money at the time, so which I was using to rent a place. And they were giving me the money on the basis that I was going to college. But I didn't really want to be in college, but I didn't really want to move back with my parents either so one of my friends in college started kind of getting into anarchism and I thought it was really interesting I started reading about it and found out about squatting I, I really liked the idea of it and it sort of complicated the, the, the law on, on squatting in Ireland because I mean it seems to be de facto legal like from, from our experience Like, but yet at the same time there are several laws which criminalise different aspects of squatting like aspects like breaking in to well, oh yeah I mean obviously breaking in is, is illegal but I mean like there was an open window or whatever like I mean, and a lot of times there is because like places that have been left empty for a while like I mean they get broken into by by kids or by copper thieves or by whatever so so often there is a way in what do you think about people who might say there's something morally ambiguous or even stronger than that about squatting I feel like it, it obviously belongs to me because I live there and I'm, I'm using it and I don't think you can own something and not use it I mean I, I think the same applies to renting as well like the person who's actually living in a house owns it I don't think the landlord owns it and I think the rent is just is literally just theft I don't share Shane's logic squatting definitely isn't for me as it happened though I didn't have to move out of the convent straight away but the good times were over I had to change into a much smaller room for twice the money. Camelot weren't minding the building anymore and the new owners moved in a whole lot of new tenants. It's January now, 2015. It's starting to feel like I'm living in student halls and I'm 33. The guy who's in the room next door to me, he's a really nice, polite guy. Um, he's a young man from Nigeria, but young is the operative word. He's maybe 20 years old and he's just at a completely different point in his life to I am. And he is a student and he's living like a student and for that reason he makes a lot of noise he has his friends over all the time um, and those are things that they're totally reasonable things I did that when I was 20 but because I'm 33 now I don't want to live with somebody who does that you know it basically just got to a point where I just wasn't happy here anymore at all. I decided I have to get out of here and I gave the guy running things for the development company, I gave him a month's notice. I told him I was going to move within the month and that was when I paid my last rent, which means that my moving date is fast approaching. It's in less than two weeks and I don't have somewhere to live. That may have been a foolish thing to do. I was still in a precarious situation. I feel like my hands are really tied and I'm in a, a difficult position because I'm a single person and if I was to start looking uh, for somewhere to live on my own at the moment in Dublin, it's just not feasible on any level. There's absolutely no way I can afford it. The market is 
totally does not favour single people in their in their 30s or 40s. Unlike Shane and the other squatters, I just couldn't bring myself to break into an empty building, even though there seemed to be a lot out there. Here on North Frederick Street, it, uh, it all looks a bit grey on a February morning. And I think it's maybe the fourth building along here, falling down around itself. Oh, God. I'm in Dublin's city centre with Green Party councillor Ciarán Cuff. We're looking at some buildings that have fallen into disrepair. It's a magnificent four-storey Georgian building over basement. It's probably 200, 250 years old, but it's boarded up. It's got uh, corrugated iron on the windows, broken glass over the fanlight, Budlia, uh, a 12-foot-high Budlia bush coming out of the basement, and yet it is oozing with potential. It's got high ceilings. It would face west at the back. You could have the evening sun coming streaming into your apartment. Uh, and all it needs is some tender, loving care. I mean, you look at the the fading brickwork, you look at the, the 12-pane windows, but even with a small investment, it could be a living space for maybe three, three different apartments with stunning views. It just needs to be done up uh, and given a new lease of life, and it would be good for another 200 years. Over coffee, I told him about my predicament. I want to live somewhere cheap and interesting. I want to live in an empty building that I could make my own space. That's what I did in the late 80s. I was looking around Temple Bar and I, I was looking for a place to live in the centre of Dublin. And myself and a few friends approached the owner of the Oak Bar on Dame Street. At that time, uh, Temple Bar wasn't what it is now. And the guy in question had just bought it from another landlord who had kept a dog on the upper floors. And we said, look, we'll, we'll pay you better rent than the dog. We'll do the place up uh, if you allow us to set off the paint and the sanding against the rent. So in the end, a group of us over, I think, Christmas 1987, um, sanded the place, painted it and moved in. And we happily lived there for uh, about four years. So the, the new owner was delighted to have us there. It worked out well. Now I know a lot more about what's happening in other countries in Europe, in places like Leipzig in, in Germany, the city itself has a policy of making available empty properties at no cost and essentially you put in a bit of sweat equity, you do up the property and you have a right to live there, which I think is great. That was encouraging. It made me feel that I was on the right track and this could be possible. I've developed this habit now at this point of looking at every building when I walk down the street, buildings that look run down or derelict or maybe have graffiti on them or boarded up windows. I feel like there must be a solution to this that is not squatting and not renting. So, I set out walking the city again, looking at old buildings with renewed enthusiasm. It's not hard to find them. It's a rainy February day in Harold's Cross, and there's one property I'm curious about. But there are a few properties on this road on Daft as well at the moment, and I can't afford them, absolutely not. I'm not doing this for the sake of having a whinge. I'm doing it because I believe that there is a lack of... There's like an incongruity to the fact that there is so many empty buildings all over Dublin. Empty buildings. And there's people who can't afford their rent and people who are becoming homeless. It doesn't make sense. There has to be something there to implement, you know, some kind of a mutually beneficial agreement. Hi, how's it going? Do you remember wow. I was in the other day? 
Thank you. I ask around the post office and shops locally to find out a bit more about a house I've seen that is boarded up. I think it has potential. Cheers. Thanks for your help. I appreciate it. Everyone around seems to know who this family are. Uh, so this is the building. Um, it's red brick. I don't know where it's from, but it's quite beautiful, other, except for that enormous piece of graffiti that goes right across the front door. The windows are boarded up now, but you can see the glass is broken in almost all of them, actually. Maybe I'm just totally unrealistic, but I don't know how expensive that kind of thing is to fix. But I suppose if you weren't paying rent and you weren't going to be for a couple of years, it might be worth putting money into, you know, something like that. I think if he agreed to meet with me, I could win him over. I just think I'd be nervous making a first phone call to him because I think any landlord's first instinct is to get their back up and say, no way, you're trying to pull a fast one on me. This is not going to work. But I am convinced that if I got to speak to these people face to face, I can answer their every query because I've done house sitting and it really is beneficial for them too. Things are looking up for Joe, Neve, and Keshet too. Remember they had to leave the Abbey in Rathfarnham? Well, some surprising new properties became available in time for their move. The Minister for Justice has announced the closure of 100 Garda stations and a reduction in the opening hours of another seven stations in Dublin and Cork. Alan Shatter said that the vast majority are part-time stations. Hey. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. 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 Nice place. Yeah. I've come to what was Docky Garda Station. The trio are guardians there in one of the most expensive neighbourhoods in Ireland to live. So this is your first time here? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, Neve is here. Neve is here. Joe is here. Keshet shows me around. This is different hey. to the Abbey. And then if you really want to see the Garda side of this. Like, if you were actually coming to give a complaint to the guards, <laughs> you'd walk to here and you have the window and there's actually still um, a sign here from the guards. All forms are to your left. Please knock once. And you'd knock and someone would come to the window. So there's still sales as well. I could have never considered Docky. That's the bottom line. You know, I, I just wouldn't have the money to rent here. But but I, I would have known Docky from years ago. I used to go out fishing in Collymore Harbour and Bullock Harbour in the evening times for a bit of fishing. So I knew the area and I always loved it, yeah. But it was it was never uh, sort of, it never occurred to me as a possibility that, you know, I could live here someday. Never even sort of entertained the dream. But it's just purely fantastic. It's like you're, in, in a sense, in the in the city. But you're still in like a little country village as well. Everything's sort of on a small scale. You've everything on your doorstep, shops, cafes, restaurants, you know, all of that sort of stuff and pubs. I'd love to have moved into a Garda station too, but I just missed out on applying. It's now March and back in the squat in Grange Gorman, Shane and the others are under pressure. Side of it is this, this building, these buildings have been left derelict. They've been left to. Okay, to I'll take that point. And we, and we, we have renovated them into a. Into okay, a and you've highlighted. And Stephen, um, how long are you going to stay? We're not leaving. You're not leaving, okay. Have you plans? Like, are you, are you, are you prepped in there for another onslaught? Um, yeah, they won't be getting back in, and it's our alarm. Thanks, Stephen. 51551. On the 23rd of March, there was an attempted eviction of the people occupying the houses and warehouses at Grange Gorman. It was insane, like there was so many workers there and, and private security and they directed all these like fences around the actual dwellings in Grange Gorman and so I think, I think what they wanted to do was to 
get possession of the warehouses at least for now and then they could use that as a base to to get us out of the the actual dwellings the houses and so on so then they they were quite vulnerable then because there was only two ways they could get out and all we had to do was stop them from getting out there was two fences big gates and we had people sitting on top of those gates for the whole day and you know their original plan was for at least for the construction workers to leave around three o'clock and then the private security would stay and occupy it. But we wouldn't let anyone out, the construction workers or the private security. And then they we'd let, we kept them there until about 11 o'clock at night. Then things started getting really rowdy and, and the workers had like forced open one of the gates and like someone who had been sitting atop the gate like fell down and was injured. And people responded to this by like smashing the windscreen of one of their vans and... At this point, it was like hundreds of people who'd come down. So they all just stood in the way of the van and sat down in front of it. And it was the same cops who'd been there since half six in the morning. And they were they were getting pretty tired and they just wanted to go home. And we basically negotiated with them, look, by midnight that night, we got them all to leave. We remained in possession of the Grange government site. And since then, there's been a load of like court battles and stuff over it. Now we're turning to the High Court and an order for the arrest of up to 20 people believed to be occupying properties at Grange Gorman in Dublin in breach of a court order. Mr Justice Paul Gilligan said the occupiers of a number of properties at Grange Gorman are in breach of a court order to vacate the buildings by the 4th of May. Vivian Trainer has more... Listening to that, it looks like I made the right decision not to squat. It seems way more stressful than renting. But Shane says, no, it's not. I know so many friends like who are renting you know just in this area the landlord just kind of like evicts them like pretty much illegally or or else like they the landlord just like increases the rent by lows and people can't afford it anymore and have to move out and like so all, all this is going on while I'm, I'm just here in my squat for, for free and like in, in a, it, it seems to be more stable in a lot of ways like you, you can definitely lose your motivation for squatting but then when you look at renting like it's just so expensive and like you've you've no I feel like you've way more rights as a squatter than you do as a tenant like uh, because like as a a squatter like you you basically own the house you can do whatever you want to it you can like build new rooms or like just knock down walls My time is running out and my dream of the boarded up house in Harold's Cross is gone the owner has no interest in my proposal of minding and fixing up the house he was dismissive of the idea just had no interest in talking to me I'm getting desperate. I have to find somewhere to live. I know I wouldn't manage squatting no matter what Shane says. He's doing illegally what I want to do legally. Somebody must want a caretaker. Time to hit the phones. Hello, um, I called yesterday with a query about a property and um, Hello, my name is Rachel Breslin. Uh, I sent you an email about two days ago and I tried to contact you yesterday. I was inquiring about uh, the possibility of caretaking. I was wondering if I could talk to somebody there, if there's anyone you could direct me to about the possibility of doing something like this um, with some of the properties managed by the Irish Georgian Society. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily something that you do. So far, I've had a few responses. So even just that much I take as a positive thing. Now, the responses have mostly said no thanks or not with this particular building. But nobody has said yet to me, um, this is absolutely not something that we will ever consider. I was thinking, and I completely understand how this might not be possible as well, but I suppose what I was thinking is that 
I mean, I was aware there probably wasn't a kind of procedure in place for this kind of thing, but I do also appreciate your concerns about um, things like insurance from my experience. Oh, um, will he be back tomorrow and I can try again then? Oh, Grant. Okay, I'll give him a ring then tomorrow. Okay, thanks very much. Bye. And is there no, there's no way of getting around that that, that, can, that occurs to you? No. There's no like, yeah. <laughs> I tried very very hard I felt like I was actually slowly getting somewhere but the truth is that I just I was just completely worn out I suppose it got to the point where I was completely consumed by what I was doing which was looking at empty buildings and trying to track down owners but it actually genuinely got to a point where it was very very stressful because I was so unhappy where I was maybe more unhappy than I realized so I I was anxious to move but at the same time I, I couldn't afford to pay normal rent and uh, so I was just exhausted and sick of it and so yeah I, I succumbed to daft. And so time for a change of tack. As I've said my big problem is trying to get somewhere as a single person. I've decided to give up on my ambition to turn an empty building into a home. I also had to give up on the idea of living by myself. It's just out of my reach financially. So this is my new house. We're in another part of Dublin altogether, the north side. Haven't lived on this side in a long time. It's a terraced red brick and we got pretty lucky. We got extremely lucky actually. The neighbours really take care of this little road. The lady next door dropped in a bottle of wine when we moved in. I've hooked up with a couple of friends to rent a house. It definitely took me a little while to get my head around moving back in with people and I was extremely fussy about who I lived with. I had this very short list of who I would put up with. <laughs> but uh, this house came up and to be honest it's worked out even better than I expected. But you know what? Dreams don't die that easily. You don't spend a year of your life coveting derelict buildings and then just stop. I feel like I'm still walking around Dublin looking at empty buildings all the time, but not with the same feeling of, I don't know, before I really was anxious. Whereas now um, I'm looking at them in a different way. It's more like a passing interest, but I am still like, I don't want to be renting forever either. It's good for now, but I think I suppose as well, that's one thing that I've learned is that I don't know how you get security. I really have no idea. You just have to see how it goes, you know? And even renting, because there's so many people whose landlords are putting the rent up sky high because of the way things are, that you can't even, it's not even really secure to rent either. And Shane has moved on too. He's left the Grange Gorman site, but he didn't find it difficult to find a new place to squat. The place that I'm in now, I'd, I'd known about for at least two years. It's a house. It's pretty comfortable because, like, it's, it's summer kind of at the moment the, the weather's pretty good so like if it was winter it'd be a different story but like all, all the things that need to be fixed it'll be easy for us to fix it by in the next few weeks and you know by, by the time winter comes around it'll probably be pretty cosy if we're still there he doesn't stop looking either I mean when you're squatting for a while you kind of just know where, where all the empty buildings in, in your area are like you, you see them every day and, and like you can't help doing research on them and, and kind of looking into it. Like, even just little things like looking in the letterbox and seeing a big pile of posts or, or, or that kind of thing. Like, most of the time when I'm cycling, like, my eyes are usually glued to, like, 
like not not the the traffic in front of me, but to the buildings like to either side of me. If a place, if the windows in a place look a bit dusty or like the garden's overgrown or, or something like that, if a place looks interesting, I might just walk up to it and look in the letterbox or, or just just have a closer inspection. Yeah, I'm similar. <laughs> I do the same thing <laughs> a lot. The best time when you move into a house is before some sort of owner comes back. That then you start thinking about, oh yeah, maybe this won't actually last forever. But like the the the, the time before that happens is is you just kind of it just kind of feels like you're going to be there forever, even though you know you're not. Meanwhile, Joe is still enjoying his coastal paradise. I would love to get another year out of this. Like, Camelot can't actually say that to you. But I suppose reading between the lines with the Camelot, with the Garda stations closed down, they're not up for sale yet. I've moved pretty much every year. This is about, this is my tour to property. But, you know, if I got extra time out of it, I'd, I'd really love that because I really, really love it here. But just like the rest of us, Joe is always on the lookout, no matter how far out of your league it might be. Solicitor Brian O'Donnell and his wife Mary Patricia have lost their long-running legal battle to keep their luxury home overlooking Dublin Bay. Receivers for Bank of Ireland took possession of Gorse Hill in Killiney just before lunch. That's another classic example is like listening to the news about the house up on, on, on Vico Road, um, Gorse Hill. It's, it's been in the papers on the news all the time and following it, you know, there is a part uh, you know, in your head that just you know, straight away switches to, my God, if, uh, if that needs protection, I wonder would Camelot be on the, on the list there of people that might get in there and then therefore maybe I'd get a chance to get in there myself. It's just something that I, I sort of thought of myself straight away, massive property, someone having to vacate it and does it need looking after it? And I'm sure there's probably other people out there that think like that too.